Welcome to Talking to Teachers. On a recent visit to Hong Kong, I was lucky enough to sit down with Ruth Benny, the founder of Top Schools. It's a consultancy firm specialising in helping companies and families place children in schools and better understand how Hong Kong international schools work through admissions process to curriculum. She has a big presence on social media and Twitter at Top Schools HK at T O P S C H O O L S H K and also on Facebook HK Schools. Check out our, her website www.topschools.com.hk and listen to the podcast and get in touch with Ruth for all your Hong Kong educational needs. So Ruth, thanks for coming to talk to me. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your company, Top Schools? Okay, so Top Schools is, we are an educational consultancy. We help families to find schools in Hong Kong. We help companies to find schools for their staff's children. And increasingly, we're also helping the schools to find the families. Um, so it, it's about matching. It's a bit of headhunting, a bit of matchmaking, if you like. And what, what uh, so you started the company, mm-hmm. what, what gave you a thought that there was a market for this? I think it did happen by accident, it was a happy accident, so I was teaching teachers in one of the universities, um, mostly, well actually both in-service teachers and, and new graduates um, from, as it was, the Hong Kong Institute of Education. And I found that very, very interesting. I did that for many years, and I, 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 as part of that, I went into schools, local schools, and I observed classrooms. And that was before I became a parent myself. And found that super interesting. Then I had my own children, and I, I was fairly sure I did not want them to go into the local system, but I also didn't want them to go into a pure, pure international system. So I felt that I was a bit different, and I felt that there wasn't the information available and the the support there so I started a website and I started to publish because I've got background in communications and PR and I I just thought I'll get the the information out there for people to access because this was before Facebook. I was going to say yeah how in terms of just I just started a website now back then um, oh well it wasn't that long ago it was like 2005 yep so 10 12 years yeah but you had to have a certain level of expertise to start a... would have been a bit scary back then, starting a website. I think I had had some experience prior to that. I'd done a lot of different things with technology, and I, I feel pretty okay to yeah. at least give it a go. Up to the When I get to the level that is beyond me, then I'll hire an expert to do it. So, But I, I did hire people. I spent... You know, a fair bit of money investing in, in this. When you were spending the money, was it? Did you? Were you spending it because it was something that you were passionate about? Obviously, there is that. But was it also you knew that that there was a that there was a market for it? I think I wasn't thinking about monetizing it. Well, I probably was in a remote sense, yes. but I wasn't quite sure how I was going to do that. But I, I felt sufficiently passionate that this information should be out there and I felt sufficiently confident that I was a reasonably qualified person to be able to do that. Um, I'd, I'd already been in Hong Kong at that point by you know for about what, 15 years. Um, so I, yeah, just, you've got to and give it a go, are. right? <laughs> you've got so to take a risk. Do you work 
mostly, or is it an even split between the families, the school, and the companies? It's mostly families. Yeah. Um, and it and it started off that way. So so actually, back to the the how it became a consultancy is is completely by accident. And um, believe it or not, I, I got my first client through Twitter. So people who say Twitter's a waste of time. Twitter's definitely not a waste of time. <laughs> I don't use it as much now as I probably did then, but because Facebook has definitely taken over for us. Um, I, I got a tweet from somebody who I knew in Hong Kong in real life, and she said I knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who was coming to Hong Kong and she had kids, and could I help them find spots in schools? And I was like, oh, well, that's not what I do, but I guess I could. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and she was, oh, she was a nightmare nightmare client like talk about <laughs> baptism by fire but that's something that's probably sometimes quite nice to well and after the fact well the fact that I took on a second and then a third and, and, I, and I'm still doing it today I suppose that says something um, yeah so I, I help them I mean, you do kind you have to when you're starting off you have to sort of fake it till you make it yeah right yeah. there's a certain amount of you know as I said I was fairly confident in my qualifications to a point, but mm. when you're starting off, you, you just don't know. Well, you don't have that um, network of contacts that, that you establish over time with Correct. the schools. and yeah. I mean, you probably hadn't been into that many different schools because you've right. been finding stuff yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first, actually, was it the first or the second school that I, I thought, I, I've got to start picking up the phone, calling schools and asking if I can go and visit and telling them what I do. So I had to sort of develop a little bit of a pitch and I got to talk to, I, I think I know, I think I remember which school it was and um, I must have sounded reasonably um, professional enough that the, the principal gave me a good hour and a half of his time really, um, and showed me around and one on one and that was my first experience and yeah I had to I had to pick up the phone Faked and say until you made it. Yeah, I had to pick up the phone and say, um, good afternoon, can I introduce myself? You know, I'm running a, a new consultancy in Hong Kong, this is what we're doing and and it would be really lovely to for me to be able to visit your school so that I can accurately represent your school to prospective parents. Yeah, something like that. And and, and for the most part everyone everyone's bought in. Have you had many schools reluctant to get on board with you? So you mean currently, presently five yeah. years on um, there are one or two international schools that shall remain nameless that yeah. really do not interact with us very friend in, very nicely. Yeah. Um, and they you know, so that's one or two out of a good fifty or you know, yes. I, I forget approaching however many. Well, it's fun. It's funny that that whole uh, I don't even have the word for it. But when I first came here seven years ago. Um, I didn't even know about international schools and got talking mm. to a few people and I was working at at a, a, a private international school that was mm-hmm. in name only and decided I'd go around and just drop my CV off at, at schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a couple of quite good schools that I couldn't even get in the gate without mm-hmm. an appointment. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. certainly, it's not the easiest market to crack. Well, you know, you as a teacher, myself as a consultant or even prospective parents, you know, and these are prospective customers in mm. inverted commas mm. for, for these schools, the level of obnoxiousness oh, yeah. by one or two or three of the schools, and they're very much in the minority, um, but, and I think that that's going to change, because I think that the market in Hong Kong up till now has allowed them to sit there in their ivory tower and mm. watch applications in their hundreds, you know, flood, flood in, and they you know, take 
they take great joy in rejecting 98% of their applicants and I think that's going to change. Yeah and, and I, I, I want to get to that a little bit later on. The amount of schools opening up like even this year, is there four or five new international mm, schools targeted? I've lost count. I'm I'm saying that there are twenty over the next two years. Wow. Yeah. So do you, how do you see that? And this is completely going a different direction to, to what we'd earlier discussed, but it fascinates me. Do you think that Hong Kong international school bubble is going to burst? Do you think there's going to be a landslide of prices for students to get in? Um, no. 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 It's just changing. The, yeah. the, in, the word international school conjures up a certain image. Yeah. And that will change. The, the schools are just becoming a lot less international. But do you think the fees um, and, the, and the, the parent angst is going to continue with, with more options available? See, the more, the, the, most of the newer options are very, very pricey options. So right. I mean, that's sort of another topic. I do somewhat sympathise with some parents, but actually a lot of them. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a, a free education system for every yeah. student, every child legally resident in Hong Kong. Now, the fact that we as parents are saying, oh, you know what, no thanks. So if you're voluntarily opting out of what the government's providing for you for free... Then there's no real complaint. There, there doesn't. There shouldn't. Yeah. There shouldn't be the level of complaint that there is. To be quite honest, this is a private education system in in a. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't meaning so much the complaints. I, I haven't seen that side of it. I don't mm. work in consultancy, mm. but but definitely the worry, and well, especially definitely. in terms of even getting kids into the same school. Definitely, if if there's not a concern about the fee level, yeah, as I said, twenty new schools opening. Um, much more choice for parents. Yeah. Much more choice. Um, but then you've got, yeah. Potential oversaturation. I guess we won't know until they open. That's right. There yeah. are some schools, and that's why. I mean, that's what we do. We do. We talk to schools about where are you going to fit into this market. What should what curriculum should you be offering? Or how do you structure your admissions process? And all of that that varies greatly. You've got some schools that are unfortunately in a very difficult situation where they're obligated to accept up to 90% of foreign passport holders. Yeah. That's impossible for them. Impossible. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll just go out there and say that. I mean, what will happen there is they're not going to make it. So either the government will relent and bring that level down or they won't make it and everyone will just turn a blind, up, blind eye. Yeah. And they'll just carry on. Why, why, why do they put in those sort of regulations? Well, that was, like, about five years ago, Britcham, Amcham, and, and, and a lot of the business community organisations were complaining, and they were saying that there weren't enough spaces for their expat children. I think I remember reading children, an article about that. Which was never the case. Yeah. Um, but they've spent millions running consultancy studies to prove that that was the case. So, therefore, the government knee-jerk reaction... As usual, they said, "Okay, we're going to create four thousand something extra spaces," and they did. So they either um, rec- um, they have an old school that's closed, in which they call those the what they call those the brownfield sites, and they assign that to a new international school, right. or they have a greenfield site with a piece of land, and they assign that to a new international yeah. school. And so that's that's happening, and the schools don't name schools anymore. Uh, com- no. Look, completely no. up to you. Okay, well, uh, well it's fine. It's, okay, so factually, the, some of those schools were Malvern College, Shrewsbury, 
um, anything, the Harbour School. Took on the Brown. So they, either the Brownstone or the Greenfield. So because that is through the government, because that's a government lottery system, was a tendering system. The because and because it was done to solve the problem, the, the, the perceived problem that there were not enough spaces for expat children, yeah. the conditions were that you must accept a certain, a majority percentage of foreign children. Right. And the schools that wanted to be competitive in the tendering process put bids in for up 90%. It's a, 90% is a big number. Um, but... I guess one way to sort of combat that or one, one thing that they might have had in their back pocket is there are a lot of Hong Kong local people with dual nationality. So that, uh, speaking of Harbour School though, I've got a few friends that work there and a couple in the PE department and the amount of travelling between the sites that they have mm. to do at the moment, mm. so it'll be good once they all get settled there. Mm. Because uh, they they're moving all to one campus, or are they no, going to keep the two, two campuses within very well? They're not. They haven't said that they're going to give up the Kennedy Town campus, but I expect they will. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get in a little bit to keep talking about um, top schools because you you've got a big presence on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, m- not Hong Kong mums, Hong Kong schools. Yes, yeah, the sort of daughter group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but what that. That's ahead of the pack a little bit as well. Your your influence on social media. You talked about Twitter back then. Mm. Um, certainly in education, I think that we're starting to get into Facebook a little bit. There's certainly some great Facebook chat group uh, groups for for teachers and for parents. Mm. I, I think that schools could still be doing a little bit of work mm, on agree, it. Agree. Really tricky in terms of that thirteen age limit. Mm. It's, also, it's a whole other conversation, mm. but. But what what first gave you the thought to was that something that organically grew as well? It was really. I, I'm. It was just again another happy accident. I so I think it was probably because Hong Kong mums was first, and there was a lot of talk about schools and and I could see that it, it's very unspecific. I mean, okay, if you're a mum, you have a certain level of expertise in diaper changing or feeding, but but when it comes to schools, it's actually it's, it's quite technical, you know, it's quite complicated. And I saw a lot of mums, you know, just commenting, and I thought, you know, actually we could rein this in a little bit. Um, and so what's happened now is is that it is a daughter group. We have over 20,000 members. I, was, I, uh, I, th- I thought I'd check some stats uh, before we came. And Did you check? Oh yeah, I, I did, and that's why I was happy that I made the mistake because Hong Kong mums has only got about five thousand. No, 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 no. Hong Kong mums is double that. It's like forty thousand. Well, yeah. I must have been looking at a yeah, different Hong maybe. Kong mother. M O M S. Oh, I looked yeah. at M U M S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not you. No, no, oh. I, I'm Hong Kong schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and is that because that comes with a whole another type of problems in terms yeah. of not not problems but conflicts with your business because uh, if, if I'm engaging in a chat on there then mm. is there any time where people don't need consultancy anymore because they yes, do things on that? Yes, there is. Yeah. There is, but actually I, I don't mind. Yeah. You know, I think there are certain, of course I do this as a business and there's a certain type of parent who would just need to ask a few questions here and there, a bit of fact-checking, a tiny bit of guidance, and they're on their way, they're independent. Yeah. And that's great. And I'm, yeah, happy yeah. To, I'm happy to be able to help. And I think that 
yes, I'm running a business. I need to support my family. But I actually do see this as a bit... Later on, I have some interesting ideas. I, I actually would like... It's a bit of a social um, project, you know, community service, if you like. Without giving and money. there's a lot that we could do from this platform, having created this platform for the we do a little bit of um, we help out with like domestic helpers placing their kids in schools nice. and stuff like that. Yeah. So then there's more that I'd like to do in that area. But yeah, our Facebook's great. And and the interesting thing about our group now is that the schools are most most of them, even the ones that are not very friendly with us, are in the group. Yeah. And whether or not they're they're if they're not actively participating they are monitoring because I think they I think they on the school to, you know. side if if they're not the conversations are happening about their school now yes. would they like to know would they like to be involved yeah. or would they not it's their choice yeah. but common well, sense they that, should that's why I don't really get when they not that it's happened to me because I don't work in the business but when schools aren't come in I know because it's it's there's no benefit in not being open if you're trying to, because like you said, they're businesses for the most part. Mm. And uh, yeah, do you, do you have much to do with local schools or do you mm. focus on that, that English medium market? Um, local schools, we, we define them as Cantonese medium. So we right. focus on the English medium and the English Mandarin medium, right. English and Mandarin okay. schools. Yeah. Um, now, admissions, this is, could potentially be a whole nother conversation but um, I, I worked in admissions for five years and oh, it, it really boggled my mind no. yeah, yeah oh, at, at my previous school oh, because how we used to do it and I'm not sure if they still do or not is basically anyone who was available over those oh. the weekend we, we did it would, would go in and do it and as you know quite a lot of the time teachers aren't that prepared to give up their own time so so we did it. So you were doing the assessments, you mean? Yeah, so so how we did it, we had basically um, throughout the day we'd have groups of 10 kids yep. and they'd come in and it would be a semi-simulation of a day that have... That have <laughs> um, school? Oh, Renaissance College. Oh, you worked in admissions there? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Okay. But I mean, I didn't work in admissions, okay. but I sat on the admissions oh, processes. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, all the all the paperwork and, and, and important stuff, mm. I, I didn't have. But yes. we, we, we had them come in and they'd come in and would read a story and they'd sit mm-hmm. on the mat and mm-hmm. we'd have a look and see yes. how they, oh, Billy can sit and... Mm-hmm. and, and um, Ching Hei, she's all over the place, and then yeah. they'd go around and there'd be a drawing station, a playing yeah. station, yeah. all this sort of stuff. I, I realise you have to do something because mm. you have so many applicants, but mm. but after a while, I, I really found it difficult to sit in because mm. after they leave, we, we have six teachers sitting around discussing the merits of a four-year-old. Mm. Um, and, and and it also it, it completely contradicts what we're for as educators actually saying no to children that we think could possibly mm. be difficult to teach so it was it was it was uh, I had a real issue with it mm. but on the flip side you need something mm. um, that'd be interesting to talk to you more about that but you know as a, from a leadership point of view as, as a whole school they have to look at resources 
right? So, so maybe you as an individual, you're a very experienced teacher, maybe you've got a bit of a background in, in SEN or whatever, but then you have to work on the basis that as a brand new teacher who's got no, no background, doesn't know what to do with that kid who's like, yeah. you know, not engaging and doesn't know how to engage that child. So it's a, oh, it's a tricky one. Well, the, I'll tell you what, that, that's, that's another reason that it was so difficult because for me, I work really well with with shy kids, mm. with kids that don't have confidence. Mm. That's that's something I do well. Mm. Um, yet we'd be sitting at a table, and part of the discussion would be, "Well, they didn't really talk. They were, they were too shy. Too we shy. want kids who are yeah. outgoing." And really, whereas yeah. that's my skill set. That's that's yeah. what I teach. That's something that I can teach kids. Mm. I can help them with that. Mm. You know, mm. we don't have to just look at numbers and stats, and yeah. it's the whole the whole kid. Um, so that was that was how we did it, and I believe that um, ESF runs a similar system mm. through, throughout. I think all schools um, run it very in a, in a very similar way. There's, oh, there's right. not much to it, more, not much more to it than that. Some schools are more selective than others. I mean, the thing about shy kids, we always say to... I mean, schools will tell us that, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll take the shy kids. We don't want 28 outgoing, extroverted, talkative kids. Yeah. Um, but shy kids do have a, a disadvantage in the whole and, process. And you know what? It, it really sucks because most of the time, from what I've seen... Well, not most of the time, it varies, but... But the shy kids are normally the ones that, that when they do blossom are the best. They're the thinkers, right? Oh man, yeah. they're yeah. awesome. I've got a shy one. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, I, th- I think shy. A lot of the time, that that shyness is uh, is uh, it's a complicated one because it's not necessarily shyness because they're scared to do yeah. things. They're just yeah. comfortable waiting and. But it's difficult. You're seeing that kid for what thirty minutes? Oh, for you know, not don't even. Don't get me started. And then, but but. The, the trouble is we have a lot of deception in the whole process. The schools are in a difficult position because parents lie. Yes. A lot of parents yes. lie a lot of the time. And that's difficult for you guys to muddle through and actually see what's what. So you've got a situation in Hong Kong, we're back to the idea that an international school is an English medium school. Mm. The majority of children applying for an English medium education don't have English as the home language. That's a huge issue that we have that I think is fairly interesting in Hong Kong. I mean, I, I don't know what it's like in other countries. Um, but if parents would just be more honest in the first place... Well, it, here, here's where it becomes difficult as well, because the because it's the the English medium, is parents feel obliged to say that their child is comfortable or mm-hmm. fluent in mm-hmm. several languages. Mm-hmm. So then if the student's sitting there without any English, then that's mistaken for shyness. But really, Correct. they just don't know what's so going on. So they've done their child a disservice, which Absolutely. is what we tell parents all the time. Yeah. But then I guess there's the worry from, from their perspective. They, yeah. they might have a Canadian passport, mm. um, and then so they've written down Canadian passport holder, and that they want to get in. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, well, that, hopefully all these and new not to blow our own that. trumpet, but I think that's where we we come in and we can help out yeah. because we know the system and we know what's going to work for them and what's not going to work for them. And throughout the whole thing, we always always ask parents for full disclosure. Um, it's good. I mean, like I said, it, it's it's so difficult for them because of the competitiveness of places, but. 
And you, you've got to be honest. You've got to be honest. You know? It's number one. But it, it will it will ease up, you know, as we're saying, that, you know, the number of new schools um, it is going to... And we've got more schools now that are explicitly stating that they're not looking for native English. Um, and you can, they can, the trouble is parents, not only do parents lie, but, but this is Hong Kong, and parents buy brand. Yeah. So yeah. their child may not be suitable for the top, top brand name school that we all hear every day, you know. And we would advise them to go into another smaller school that's more nurturing, that could be great for them, maybe not permanently, but could really give them, you know, two, three, four years after which they would then be able to springboard into this top-tier yeah. brand name school. Parents don't want to do that. They're reluctant. And, I mean, and, and I, I know, again, from my time at Renaissance, and it's changed a lot since I, since I started, but the amount of times we'd have people getting in and then pulling out to go to other schools, mm. but it's, you're kind of in a tricky situation because obviously I was biased because I worked there, but, like, looking in a bit deeper, there are a lot of things that that school are doing right Mm-hmm. really really well mm. but parents don't know because it's a new school mm. or new-ish yeah for 10 yeah, years yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> but, but but so that, that, that they'll be going well if yeah. we we'll, we'll go in but if yeah. we get in somewhere else but that's where it comes that's what we do we're doing fit yeah do you not not just do you want to get your kid in i mean that that's that's not the question that's not the right question if you're starting off with this question i want to get my child into this school why why, 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 why? So the process that we take parents through is really helping them to understand that school, the philosophy, what it stands for. What's your child going to get from the school today, in two, in five years' time? Is it taking him or her in the right direction for what you, you expect for your child next? You know, And that's a really, really important part of the process. Um, they have to buy into the whole philosophy of the school and feel like they fit in as a family not just can I get my child in because in in, in a lot of cases unfortunately and we, we, we're going to we're talking about money I suppose you know yeah. parents can pay to get their children in but it's this old the old cliche you know, if you put a square peg into a round hole not going to be happy they're not going to long term it isn't going to work for yeah. them as a family yeah, uh, look, it's uh, like I said, the, the the whole concept of international schools fascinates me. Um, just in ter- terms of, and I've learned um, through growing as a person how big business it can be, and um, especially there's a lot of face involved, which mm. you know. But that's that's the way it goes. Do Do you think that there's um, that Education goes in fads. Um, do you do you think that the fad that we're seeing at the moment, um, in terms of there's a big push on well-being, mm. um, there's a good big push on things like coding. Do you have much to do with with that side of things, or is it more to do with with the school and the school itself? Um, we we try to understand what the school is saying about themselves, you know, from a marketing point of view. Right, right. So, actually, I just had a conversation with the principal last night that um, he was challenged in a, in a session. Why doesn't your school teach STEAM, right? Well, they do. Yeah. Every school teaches science, engineering, arts, maths, to some degree. Now, just because they're not putting it on their website right. and their posters and they're not saying we're a STEM, STEAM, STEM in school... 
Yeah, so, so parents are, are pretty gullible and her parents, they, they yeah, we, we, help, we help the parents to understand what the school is offering, yeah. what they say they're offering but are not really offering, yeah. and what they say they're offering in, compa- in comparison to another school and who might be calling it something different but actually it's kind of the same thing. So uh, if I was a parent to come to you and said, look, I'm Ruth, I'm really keen on on uh, the bottle school um, but I can't find much information mm. and you don't work with them mm. with with the bottle school would you would you say to the parents look I actually don't know anything about that school but here are some others that that I know about is that how the process works no because we can't just dis- discount a parent's um, Choice, you know, yeah. if they've identified a school that they're potentially interested in, well, so then you'd do your due yeah, diligence. Yeah, if it's school. a new school, then we would go and introduce ourselves, find out more about them. But that that doesn't really happen. If it's a school that we don't have a relationship with, there's very not not very many of them. It, yeah, it rarely yeah. really happens. And what we'll do is we've got a network of teachers and parents of the school who have voluntarily um, agreed to, to talk about the oh, school. Oh, cool, cool. You know, parents are always pretty much fans of their own child's school. And look, to be fair, most <laughs> teachers are fans of their yeah. school schools as well. And that's so right, that's as, actually, right. as it should be, right? But we've also got, as we, as we continue, we've got a lot of parents, because we help a lot of families to move from one school to another. Right. So we can have that parent as a, you know, talking about the previous school and why they left, so mm-hmm. that they can have a more balanced viewpoint. So we have a network of parents and teachers who can talk about the school if we can't infiltrate them directly. Yeah, yeah. So I saw on your website, uh, I can't remember exactly what order, but consultancy services for uh, schools, companies, families, nothing for teachers, Ruth. No. Is that something you're looking into? No, no. Too much, I, I think is that's it just done, too much other stuff? I think that's done pretty well in Hong Kong. You've got the 21st century guys, they're friends of ours, you know. Yeah. I think ESF are doing a lot more in that direction. They're going to... Well, I, I see ESF, the, they, one of my friends has actually just got a job at ESF. Um, she, I currently work with her in New Zealand, and it was quite interesting the, the process she went through this time in terms of she didn't interview for a school. Mm. She, she interviewed with a panel, and then they from that interview they had a range of schools and took her interview must have been recorded to these different schools like that which I found quite interesting I'm not privy to the internal workings of the recruitment process yeah yeah but but as a, as a teacher but, myself right uh, I, I haven't and look I haven't looked too hard into it but but it seems that I, I know of two no one international school recruiter mm. I don't know how many how many schools she works with yeah um but, but that, it seems as if for the amount of teachers over here, and the let's be honest, it's a bloody good deal. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm surprised there isn't more... Yeah, no, she's got a good business model, and um, that I, I'm, I'm not interested in doing things that we're not good at. Yeah. You know, I want to do one thing and do it very, very well. We've been asked to do outbound um, placements, you know, doing, going to the UK and... And, and I'm fine to work with other people that do that, but I'm not interested in, in diluting our expertise. Yeah. At some stage, you're going to have to, because at some stage, you're going to need to step away. Or not need mm-hmm. to, but 
want to. Yeah. Um, now, as soon as you do that, you are diluting the product because part of the product or a big part of the product is mm, you. I'm aware of that. So, yeah. so have, have you started thinking, and I, I mean, again, this is going off, off topic a little bit, but, it, but it's an Future. interesting point of conversation because if you do do that, Mm. then that gives you the potential to open up these other things because the, it's already diluted with your expertise stepping yeah. away. No, I'd like to... I'm going to retire at some point, probably in the next 10 years, but I will... I'd like to see top schools continue. I've got a great team. Yeah. A great team. And it's team, growing. And it's growing. And and do you know what? People find me and the people that we work with... Um, it, it, they fit with us, you know. They fit the philosophy. So I've got there's a there's a couple of um, our consultants that could easily step into my shoes and continue yeah. the, the the name the good name of the company. Do Do you find that you're working less and less with individual mm. families now that you're growing? Not much at all. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. is that how do you feel about that? Because um, that would have been a big part of the the sort of thrill. Yeah. Helping the family, getting them placed. Oh, it still is a thrill. I mean, I oversee all of our families, um, and and it's always it's always great to get the feedback and they, they got in and, and we we get we get gifts coming into the office. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's just lots of chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too much chocolate. Yeah, but no. So, do you see with, with all these uh, like because we'll have to wrap it up soon. Okay. With, with all these um schools that are opening up we've talked a little bit about you don't think there's going to be an oversaturation mm. do they come and see you mm. when they first open up mm. like you that's your yes. brand is there at the well, moment and that must be quite exciting that started and that's been super interesting because we've seen the whole process from from maybe a, a group of uh, a UK school that wants to open in Hong Kong they just come out here for a bit of a look-see and they come find us and they have a chat and try to get the lay of the land and then you know a few years later they've got a building and then it's, it's happening and, it, and it's really really interesting so and it must be I t- tell you what and you might not want to admit it but it must also feel quite good now that uh Considering that when you first started, I imagine some schools were quite reluctant to, to talk with you mm. or to open up with you and mm. to give you that insight, and now they're probably approaching you. Yeah, well, it's, it, yeah, it, it, no, it's great. It, it's, it's a process. You know, we've established our credibility as experts in this field, and we, we saw a niche. There's, there's nobody really doing what we do. No. There's a couple of people that say they do what we do, but they don't. Mm. Um, it, it's very much been a relocation service a service for relocating expats to help them find a school and it's been an add-on service oh yeah. you need a you need a home you need all your stuff out here oh you've got kids you need a school too yeah I mean we've approached it from a very different point of view that the majority of our clients are, are on the ground Hong Kong based families yes. and what is a Hong Kong based family well there's all sorts of you know all degrees of, of color to that you know they, they may have been born here they may not have been anyway um, but yeah, that's great. We and and you see them through from start to beginning. Can they can they can they book in for a half hour chat with you? No. Or do, is it the whole process? Yeah, we don't do that. We started yeah. off to do that in the beginning, but it doesn't really work. No, to be no. honest, you know. So so we want to t- we want to take a holistic view of the whole process. We really want to get to know a family. Yeah. And to get to know the children too, if they're of a certain age. How long will that process normally obviously depend to when they sign up, but what's your ideal Ideally it's a year. A year. Yeah, because as you know the admission cycle in Hong Kong is is um you apply in September for starting the yeah. following September. 
So we'd like to get to know the family sort of maybe roughly about now for admission in the next next September. Going back to that admissions quickly because I forgot to say it before and it's something that also bugs me mm. about these, these shy kids we're talking about mm. is that if a lot of the time you get these these students coming in and there might be eight from one kindergarten and two that are don't know anyone else in the group. Mm. Now, if you've got them for half an hour, of course they're going to be shy. Mm. That's something else that bugs me as well. Yeah. So you must have a little bit of that when you get a family come and see you and yeah. there's that whole process well, we, as well. We meet the children one-on-one. So um, so we understand it's a very different... It, it, it's not the same as when they're going up to the school. So, so we do partner up with other companies that run interview preparation. I hate the word preparation, but... I don't think there's um. It's familiarity. There's nothing else to say. There's no. the, it's, it's, it's basically. What I did it, it is. for my own kids. Yeah. You know, it's familiarity with the process. They're going into this 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 unfamiliar, this big building with kids they don't know, and the teacher's going to ask them to do random things. You know? <laughs> So it's, it makes sense for them to go through it and get yeah. used to it a, a, a bit. And so you do provide that as well? We don't. We partner with someone right. who does. Yeah. Um, so we're going to wrap up. Two quick questions. What advice would you give to um, to someone with, with a four-year-old that's looking at getting into international school? Three. Other than come and see okay. me. Three-year-old. Oh, three-year-old. Four, four's Sorry. a bit late. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, do the research. Yeah. And don't just listen to rumour, don't just listen to your friends, don't just think, oh, you know, because my sister's kids go there and they're happy, that must be the best school for my kids. You've got to do, give it a proper amount of time and effort, do proper research, go to the schools. You'd be amazed at how many parents just fire in, you know, applications, random applications without having visited the school. Yeah. And some parents are surprised that you can actually just call up and say, can I come see? Of course you can, and you should. Yeah. That would be my. What uh, and what advice would you give to a eighteen-year-old Ruth Benny finishing school? <laughs> um, what do you mean? I mean, well. Would you say follow your heart? Would you? Oh, it sounds such a cliche, doesn't it? <laughs> do you know what? I did a bunch of things. I dropped out of college. I didn't. I didn't get a degree in the first when I was younger. Took me a while. Did it? Yeah. And I think that's the best way in some cases. I don't even know. Well, our kids need to have degrees. Who knows? Um, I did. I think it's more about. I was lucky that my parents didn't force me down a particular path. You know, I, I think that the unfortunately the majority of parents that we meet have already decided that their children have to be brilliant and they have to be doctors, lawyers, engineers, they have to go to, you know, Got a whole lot of four and five-year-old adults walking around. Yeah, so if we could just, I think we have to start with the parents. It's, it's hard, it's a really hard sell, especially in this part of the world. Yeah. But to an 18-year-old, is well, be nice to your parents, they paid for you to go to a good yeah. school. And, and look, again, that, that, it's a whole other conversation, but I think even over the last five or six years, parents have got a lot more understanding of sort of the, the approach to education. Well, that's the feeling I got working with. Is that a good thing? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it is or not, because there are definitely pros and cons for, mm. for all the different methods that we use of to course. teach. And, uh, yeah, I... At the end of the day, it's like everything. It, it, it just has to feel right. Yes. It, you have to know your own child. I, I think that there's a lot... We, we deal with a lot of analysts, and they run 
formulae and they've got spreadsheets and all the whatnot. And you can read and read and read and read. But at the end of the day, this is a, this is a child. This is your own flesh and blood. And you know your child best. Yeah. So with that, then you find out about the school. And then you find, you feel the school. You go to school. And if you feel that there's a fit, then go for it. Right. So we can find you at www dot topschools.com.hk and also at topschools Hong Kong or HK on Twitter. Uh, any other ways that people can can look into you? The best thing to do would be to find you on Facebook and then go to the website or vice versa. Either way, either way. Visit the website anyway because it's uh, it's it's easy to navigate and um, apart from there being nothing to help help teachers. Okay, <laughs> I'll think about that. <laughs> um, perfect, thanks, Ruth. Thank you.